0: Welcome back for a third series of concourse and I have to admit with the Euros upon us and with the sun shining and life getting back to normal in the UK I was a little envious though I won't complain too much. Aussie winters aren't too bad and this one will hopefully be easier for the added dose of tournament football to see us through. With the pandemic it's been a while since I've been back home and it's a little uncertain as to when the next trip will be too. But with my family about to get a new addition later in the year, my dad and I took to having longer weekly calls to uh, get and stay a little bit closer. So despite not being able to travel and in lieu of having a weekly pint with my dad, at least we can catch up and share in the football for the next few weeks. Now, in all honesty, this podcast is probably more for us than it is for the handful of people who might listen. But I'm pretty lucky as the sun comes out in the UK that my old man's going to spend a bit bit of time with me each week having a chat about the football. We have to confess. I don't think anyone's coming here for deep analysis or uh, heavy punditry, but um, I think we'll give it a go anyway. We're more here to have a laugh and get caught up in some euros fever. So today we'll answer all the big questions around England and their chances, and make a few predictions and touch on some of the opening team, some of the opening games, and some of the teams. But first of all, hello to the man most know as Mr. Michael Ryan, but better known to me as Dad. Hello, Dad. How are you? Uh,
1: hello. Thanks for that warm welcome, I'm fine, thank you very much and uh, welcome to, the, uh, to both
0: our listeners. <laughs> you and me. Now let's get stuck into it, three big questions to kick us off. So first of all, has the National Grid released a statement of concern around a half-time power surge as the nation collectively makes a brew on Sunday? Normally that happens in, when the Euros come on or a World Cup comes on.
1: Yeah, it, it it's a good point that uh, the short answer is no. It te- in my opinion, it tends to happen the other way around. Um, as soon as um, the day after the match, or these days it's a little bit more immediate on social media, or whatever it might be, or on breaking news, there'll, there'll be this sort of, you know, this collective shock that the national grid is in meltdown. And so we, it probably would be handy to have a warning and then you could, we could sort of phase it and say, right, come on, do your bit. You know, there's about, pick a moment. You know when, um, when, when one of the teams is fiddling around at the back with the ball. Go and make your brew then. Don't wait till half time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or maybe they can stagger it regionally around the country. You know, and every ten minutes, the northwest needs to make a brew or whatever it might be. Now, next big question: Has Insert any tabloid newspaper name here. Have they printed a front cover with Phil Foden's hair on it and pleaded with the nation to rub it for luck because he's trying to look like Gaza? I remember in the 2002 World Cup, it was rub Beckham's foot. Has any tabloid come out and said we need to rub Phil Foden's silvery locks to try and bring us luck in the tournament? It would, I wouldn't put it past them.
1: Yeah, well, um, I've not actually had the opportunity to, um, to, to peruse the... Uh, the racks for the tabloids this morning, um, and that's another good shout. Um, the sun will probably be have something along those lines. Maybe not the front page at the moment because we're not quite. The fever hasn't sort of lit, lit up yet, but um, the, probably on the back page. I know for myself um, that the Daily Star's got a um, a story about that that very thing and how and and how Phil Foden wants to. Um, emulate Gaza, even down to the hair which he's obviously had done and I think uh, again rather like the, the national grid that's a very good shout um, that, that is pretty much inevitable it's going to happen at some point as long as he stays
0: fit hopefully yeah well we're both Phil Foden fans but I think he should do any uh, emulations of Gaza with his feet rather than his hair it maybe should have been something that was saved for for later but there we go and the third big question is it coming home
1: um, I'd love to sort of uh, join in this sort of op- optimistic, upbeat mood that we're establishing here by saying yes. But I think, um, you know, the the again, the short answer's got to be no. Uh, um, it's not out of the question. Clearly, it's not out of the question. Um, Greece won it from a, a less likely position than, than England are in now, as did Denmark. I'm sure there'd be other examples if you go back to. 1960 of sort of surprise outcomes, winners. Um, of course, it's not out of the question, but then again, it's not out of the question for 23 other teams, is it? So, um, I just don't necessarily think that, it, despite home advantage, the you know England have any more chance than they tend to have. But then again, um, I'm you know I'm a person who was born around just before we, we won the, the World Cup. And I've seen a lot more campaigns come and go than you, so I might just be even more cynical than somebody of your age might be about it.
0: Well, what 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 do you think would be our undoing for us not to win it? Because there's so much confidence that you read, you know, or hear in other podcasts I might listen to. People are tempering it and saying obviously it's not, you know, a done deal, but this is probably the most technically gifted squad we've ever had. It's maybe not the strongest team, it maybe doesn't have the most talent, but from a technical point of view I don't think we've ever been as good. What would be, you know, what's going to get in our way?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, standards have generally improved in the England team. But then again, I don't think they've dropped enough with the other teams. I just think there's too many other teams, um, you know, could quite easily reel five off who are, are technically as good. And the, the, and when we've come up against them in the last sort of cycle, either side of the World Cup, we haven't looked as though we are, you know, sort of ready to beat them on a regular basis, and I think, obviously, even if even if the draw somehow, you know, by losing a game, perhaps that we shouldn't lose, and we end up in maybe getting a favourable quarterfinal or something like that. Even if that happens, you know, it's there's still going to be a, at least two games where England have to sort of bring their A game and hope another team are a little bit off it. So you know that's just that's how I see the odds, and if you want to be a little bit more uh, forensic about it, um, I just think this England have some weak links. Most teams will have a weak link, clearly, but it's sort of it's sort of cutting your cloth to make sure that that doesn't trick you up. That you know that's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. And and I think we've got you know the the weak links just. Know, sort of very sort of on a very rudimentary level include the manager I don't I think you need a good goalkeeper I don't think we've got a great goalkeeper we've not got a great goalkeeper true um I mean if you I mean I mentioned Denmark winning it I mean look at their goalkeeper yeah it, it sure. obviously they obviously did them no harm
0: and to a de- um, well, well and they've got a great goalkeeper this time and to a degree they have somewhat of a home advantage because their group stage is pretty much at home so yeah. they have a springboard from which to gain momentum don't they
1: yeah and um and um I think you know we haven't got enough quality we, we need our two best centre backs to be fit and one of them isn't at the moment and that's yes. such a crucial position. Um and the squad has been unwisely selected. We're still we've still got one too many right backs. He should he should, in my opinion, send Walker or Trippie, he should have sent Walker or home and picked Borg Prowse And that would have been my squad.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It feels unbalanced. And I think what concerns me about bringing Ben White in is if he had concerns about the centre-back position in the first place, just pick Ben White in the first place. So now I'm going back to a point that you made when we had a chat last week about the squad. And I actually did a very, very light research on this. I think around half the goals at the last World Cup were scored from free kicks. And, yeah, there are players in there that are really good with the dead ball. Trippier from a corner, for example, even Harry Kane, if you want to waste him taking corners. I don't agree that you should. But Ward Prowse is a free kick dead ball specialist. And when you look at stats, such as those from the last World Cup, and you're going to have a lot of new teams that are weaker with respect to them at the first tournament, not trying to embarrass themselves, getting behind the ball. Will it be a free kick and a 1-0 that wins it? And do you need a dead ball specialist? So he's had two chances to pick Ward-Prowse and hasn't. And I agree, I still think it's one, 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 uh, one right-back too much. We're light in the centre of the park and I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the likes of Mason Mount and Phil Foden, given how long their seasons went. Will he pick Sterling? So to rest Foden. And for me, Croatia out of the group is probably the one where we need our best technicians on the pitch. That's going to be the most technical game. Scotland might be a little bit more direct and we're just getting behind them. And you have players running beyond Kane, like Rashford and maybe even like Sterling. But is it, it, there's only seven games if you're going to win it. Is Foden and is Mount, are they fit enough to be playing? Um, to be playing... Right from the outset, I think I'd probably argue that that, that they are. So it'll be interesting to see. He's got a little bit of an unbalanced squad, but I I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence with it. For me, I think there are these teams, you always talk about tournaments, who will be the dark horse? And I probably haven't done my research enough to know who the dark horse will be, but I read up on squads like Italy that had a 100% win record during uh, qualifying. But then I look at the group and think... There's every there's every reason for Italy to qualify with a 100% record. Sometimes I look at Belgium and I think, we're as good as Belgium, aren't we? we can't, we've got players that are as good as Belgium. We've got, no disrespect to Roberto Martinez, but I don't think there's a great deal of difference in the quality of the manager. And I look I at the back three, how old Belgium's defenders are. Surely they can be got us. So surely we can be in the mix there. But I think there are plenty of teams like ourselves. Portugal maybe not, despite Ronaldo ageing. They've got... Other quality there, but like Italy, where on paper they look strong, I'm not so much looking for the dark horse. There are just a number of teams who might be more the biggest flop and the biggest disappointment. And if um, if he doesn't get his rotation right and he doesn't know his best team, um, that that for me could be England.
1: Yeah, equally any any team could um, you know the favourites that are roughly ten to one, like you know like Italy, England, or less. You know the you know you know the usual suspects. Any of them. One of them will have a stinker, you're right. But will four or five of them have a stinker? Um, You know, and and Germany um, probably aren't, I think, the fourth favourites, which is rare, but we all know that they will punch above the weight compared to, you know, the form they've shown in the last 12 months. So it's even worse, really, with Germany, because if if you know what to expect, it's like, oh, well, you know, let's hope we just... Perhaps get to the final and play them and beat them but now they're a little bit more dangerous because you just know that they're not going to be as you know they're going to be a little bit more unpredictable and with a bit between the teeth because they know they've not been performing for a long time mm. um, yes. and again briefly returning to the England squad I mean you, Trippier actually scored a, um, a free kick against Croatia didn't he in the semi-final of the World Cup Yeah. Um, so you know it's not unheard of it's not impossible but obviously Ward-Price is not necessarily going to be on the pitch all the time but you just need to have that option and the, the, the last point there as far as the the potential weakness in the squad is, is Henderson uh, who is not fit um, alright he, he had half a game on Sunday but he came on with the air of a man trying too much and then did something really stupid Yeah, um, which uh, for a person of his experience and leadership qualities was a rather disturbing um, so I'm not sure whether he's. And you're right. At some point, even Harry Kane might need not to play one game if we play seven. So, how do you. You just need a lot of people who are on it.
0: Yeah, and Dominic Calvert Lewin is an option. He won the penalty, and he really probably should have just taken the penalty to keep things simple. If um, Kane isn't going to play and we need to rest him, or he's got a little bit of a niggle because we might have qualified, or whatever it might be, you know, he's hoping. You want to see someone like Calvert Lewin grab the ball and say to the Liverpool captain, with the experience and the respect that he's got, "No, I'm having it." You know that's what we probably want to see as fans, and and that's one part of the disappointment. The second is then obviously Henderson Henderson making a meal of it. So who who are the who are the teams to watch out for for you then? Um, well, I mean, France. great great Jamie Carragher impression there, by the way. Thank
1: you. Yeah, good, yeah. Um, France would definitely be one, um, and then Belgium, as you say. Belgium, despite, despite having Belgium, it's almost it's almost like they've sort of gone out of the way to make it a little bit more difficult by not having a good manager, but but they still managed to be a brilliant team. Yeah, you know the sort of you know might be a little bit disrespectful to Martinez, but not you wouldn't find many people. who I don't think you would say is a top manager, um, but you know. It's not not working for them, and then Portugal, you know, are pretty solid. Germany, of course, and um, and Spain will obviously be no pushovers, even though they've got no Real Madrid players, which makes you sort of think there's some kind of problem trouble in in the Spanish mill. But uh, mm. yeah, meant, but I'm 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 I do think Italy will have a say, um, but equally they could uh, nose dive like.
0: Sort of entered up. If you take those big names out of it, you know you probably throw Holland into the mix. They've not, you know, silverware success in recent years, but neither of England. Um, you probably include Croatia in there as well, World Cup finalists. So those those more I'm raising inverted commas here, household names. If you take those out of it, and you look at your teams like your your Denmark's, your Wales, your, your your Turkeys, who do you expect to go the furthest out of those sides? I think Scotland are going to do well. Wow, I don't think. I don't think um, we're really going to drum up the listener content here if we can get a few Scottish fans, yeah, uh, well, on on uh, side.
1: Yeah, and uh, and the Welsh still do fantastic as well. <laughs> you no, know? um, I think Wales have rather sort of gone over the top. So no, I wouldn't even sort of go there. But I think Scotland are knitting together reasonably well. They've got Shay Adams in the team, who's you know he's no. Harry Kane, but it, it, he's doing well for them, and he's he sort of hit the ground running, playing for them up front there. And, he, and he's had a decent season, and you know he's sort of 24, and he's you know he's ready to prove himself at that. As, you know, given a chance, he's, he's a good finisher. So they've got a, a good sort of you know form line in, in the last few months or so since the since they got through the, the playoffs. And um, I just think the group that we are in. Um, I think Croatia, again, are going a little bit backwards, they're getting a little bit old, and I don't think they're that great. Yeah. Czech Republic, it's, nobody's going to be sort of quaking in their boots about playing the Czech Republic. Games are being played at Hamden Park. Playing at Wembley is even more of a home it's not a home game, but they're even more fired up than playing at Hamden, Scotland. So, yeah. um, Although I did hear, uh, I think it was Gordon, Reed, Gordon Strachan, say it's an advantage that there's only 25,000 there because if there was a. 90,000 there, the Scotland players, Scotland would probably finish with seven men. <laughs> so um, um, they need to sort of balance that. And um, so, yeah, I just think, not because obviously I think Scotland are as good as England, but I, I wouldn't be shocked by them getting a result at Wembley. And I can see them getting four points in the two games.
0: Yeah, I, it'd be interesting to see how far Wales go because I think. Bale's maybe got a little bit of a point to prove. He seems to enjoy himself when he's with the Wales team. And from what I read about Rob Page, he's very astute. Um, he prepares very well, and you obviously need that for tournament football. You've only got really th- three games, and you know y- you can't plan for every eventuality of getting out of the group. They have got a tricky yep. group, but maybe he does his own work enough to to get something there. You know, maybe one of the other teams does slip up, and they could nick maybe one of the third place spots and and and, and see where the route takes them. I've been reading up a little bit about Finland and I've got this feeling that they might be, I don't know if they'll be as good a football inside, but I read up that they've got this real to social togetherness that they maybe could be that this tournament's Iceland, maybe. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. if they just play with a bit of freedom and no expectation, as Iceland did in, in, in the last Euros, then yeah. um, you never know. But they've not got a straightforward group with Belgium, Denmark and Russia. It might just be a bridge too far for them, but yeah. someone's got to be a surprise package, right?
1: Well, yeah, um, I suppose um, it would be a bit of a coincidence if they sort of ended up being the, you know, the Iceland of this tournament, and you know, togetherness only does get you so far in a way. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's just why not Finlanders, just as much as Scotland. But uh, as I say, as far as Scotland are concerned, I think they might get through the group. Quite, you know, I've got, I'm sort of half expecting to get through the group, and then what do you regard as sort of is that, is that, is that punching above you? That's not sort of being the shot package of the tournament, obviously. No. Just getting through that group. You know, it's sort of, that's really pushing a big nation all the way up, perhaps beating one at a nation rate ranked above them. So, you know, we'll have to see if they're capable of that as well.
0: Yeah, I think if you have a look at, I think it's the last group, isn't it? That's probably the group of death France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. So the, the, the shot would probably be Hungary um, getting through. But yeah, I think we've seen it before um France obviously won the world cup in 1998 and then went out of the group stage in um the following world cup uh, and obviously won the euros in between as well germany you know how much is yugoslavs you know heart in the project anymore portugal with ronaldo i mean at the last euros he was sort of coaching the team from the sideline and he's got that capability to be a bit more humble about the role that he plays but he also can be a bit egotistical as well. And if, if they get that balance kind of wrong, it could really upset it for Portugal. So Hungary would obviously be a big shock if they got through. So we'll, we'll see. Now there's no, I guess, just to wrap it up, there's no um, real, you know, up in lights, billboard games for me before England play on Sunday. Turkey, Italy, Wales, Switzerland, Denmark, Finland, and Belgium, Russia. What do you reckon is yeah. the pick of those four? Or really do we have to wait for england Croatia until we see a decent game?
1: I think if you sort of ask, if you're saying what's the best game of the weekend, you know it would appear to be England Croatia. Um, but if you want if you want me to sort of go for another game, that might be, you know, more intriguing. I'd say Belgium Russia, um, just to sort of get a feel of how good Belgium are. But also it's in Saint Petersburg, so I don't know how many fans are going to be there. Um, but when in the World Cup, you know Russia did really well in front of packed houses. Yeah, you know. The, Know, uh, until they sort of hit a wall, um, and so that presumably is going to be quite a difficult game for Belgium. Mm. Uh, putting you know because Russia came into the World Cup with not any form. I don't think. I don't think they're in. I, you know, I've not really studied it, but I doubt their form is any much different now than it was before the 2018 World Cup. Yeah. Um, obviously, the tournament isn't all being played in Russia. That's a slightly different dynamic. It's even the same with us, isn't it? If it was Euro '96, it would be because you can sense you're in you're in you're in Melbourne, you know, and I'm in Manchester. But there's not the same sort of fervour. There's not people. It might be different come weekend when people got flags, but there's very little bunting, very little sort of pre pre fever at the moment. Um, and but if I think if the whole tournament was in this country, that would wouldn't be as low key at this point. Yeah. And um, so that's not going to be the same advantage for Russia. But I just think, you know, Russia are always, you know, slightly unknown quantity. I just think that'll be, you know, not a chess match, but just an intriguing game, you know, more from the sort of the, the purest point of view, just to sort of see what emerges.
0: Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, let's see what happens this weekend as England take on Croatia. And I'm, uh, I'm sure we'll reflect on that at some point next week. Looking forward to it. It's 11 o'clock in the evening here, which isn't too bad. So I'll be staying up for that one. Um and um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a few poms over here as well but maybe not enough watching it to cause the national grid a problem in Australia but we'll, 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 we'll see OK, so that's it for our first episode enjoy the opening round of games and uh, of course the England game as well fingers crossed that they can get a result and we're proven wrong Gareth Southgate does get his team right and we'll, uh, we'll see you back here next week for a little bit of reflection and more